0: This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.
1: Gun Owners Radio has it all and more. Check us out at gunownersradio.com and tune in every week to hear Dave Stahl, Michael Schwartz, and all our guests talk about everything Second Amendment. Here we go.
2: All right. All right. Hey, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, hey. A self-defense event happens in seconds. In the time it takes to listen to this commercial, your life could change forever. I pray you're never forced to shoot in self-defense, but if you must, then you must be ready. That's why the USCCA exists, because every responsibly armed American should have the training and education to navigate a self-defense situation. And should you ever need it, the 24-7 critical response team is right there for you. To discover more about the USCCA, you need to visit uscca.com G-O-R. Act now because the life you save could be your own. uscca.com slash G-O-R.
1: Happy Easter, everybody. Welcome, ladies.
0: Happy Easter, Mike.
1: Thank you. We have. Uh, who do we have? Should we do a Mickey Mouse roundtable and introduce yourself? Sure. Alicia, how are you?
0: Doing well, thank you. Good,
1: good, good. Happy Easter. And Desi?
0: Hi, Mike. How are you?
1: Star of local media.
0: I can give you an autograph later if you want one.
1: (laughs) Dave, did you see her on KUSI? Yeah, I did. She did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. You're done.
0: I'm taking over, Mike. I didn't want to tell you. But you're done. Dave put the word in. Yeah.
1: Well, we got all kinds of cool stuff happening today. We're going to talk to uh, Mary Louise, who, um, uh, well, I'll go into detail a little bit more. Um, but she's gonna be our first guest up we're gonna of course talk about the Nathan Fletcher drama which there is uh, plenty of and uh, and then we have Inland Empire gun owners has a uh, a joint event with Reform California that's coming up so we want to talk about that and of course Desi you're here to talk. what are you here to talk about
0: we are here today to talk about the tough conversation to have with your children that parents don't want to have but need to have
1: Okay, which is which is a tough this sounds like it's gonna be a tough segment. So. It
0: is, but it's gonna be worthy.
1: Good, good, good. Okay, so let's go around the horn. First up, San Diego County Gun owners executive director, Dale Raymer.
3: Happy Easter, y'all. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. I'm literally standing in one spot in my son's driveway <laughs> because it's a place I can get reception.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's going on in San Diego?
3: So in San Diego, coming up this weekend, or this coming weekend, Saturday the 15th, we've got three tabletops. Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association tabletop in Escondido, North County Shooting Center tabletop in San Marcos, and the Turner's El Cajon tabletop. And then next week, don't forget, it's our monthly meetings. Tuesday the 18th will be North County. Wednesday will be Mid-Central. And that's going to be at Poway Weapons and Gear this month. And then on Thursday is La Bella.
1: Nice. And, uh, you know, the tabletops, if you're listening and you're in San Diego, uh, go to our website and please um, uh, let – volunteer. Volunteer to to help with these tabletops. We, We set them up. We have somebody there to train you if you've never done one before. You're never alone. They're amazingly effective. And we need a lot of help. You know, a lot of people uh, really want to, you know, say, "Hey, what can I do?" I'm care about the Second Amendment. Well, these tabletops are a perfect example. Many hands make for small work. So, all right, thank you so much, Gail. I'm looking forward to the Happy meetings. Bye, Gail. Okay, next I up, did. Orange County, Heather Hawk, Executive Director. How are you?
4: I'm good. Happy Easter, everyone.
1: Happy Easter. So, what's going on in Orange County?
4: Well, this weekend we had on Friday night we went to a barbecue at Low Signature Resource Center or LSRC. Um, They had a kind of a demo and a tour of their facility, and so we hung out and chatted with a few folks. Uh, It was really fun. Uh, And then we went to we had a shooting social on Saturday. Uh, It was a little different. We didn't have a lot of any new shooters, so we had more of like a range day for our members. So they all came out and um, and brought some firearms and shot, and everybody kind of talked. It was a good social gathering there. Nice. Um, and then this fall, this coming Saturday, we have a tabletop at Crime Sur- It's Crime Survivors Superhero Five K Walk Run. Um, they have a an event um, in Irvine, and we'll have a a booth there. Um, we also have a team. If people are interested in signing up and doing the walk run under Orange County Gun Owners Pack slash Not Me OC, uh, so you can join our team as well, and we can all go on the on the run together.
1: And don't forget to go to GunProm.com because your your Second Amendment celebration dinner is coming up on May.
4: May 20th, yeah. So 20th. GunProm.com. Yep, we have tickets available. We have whole tables. We do have individual tickets as well. Uh, it's going to be at Orange Hill Restaurant in Orange, so it's going to be a, a lot of fun. So get your tickets now. Get them early so you've got yourself a spot reserved. Um, And then also quick update on the Irvine City Council. I wanted to make sure everybody knew that they did not include it in their agenda for April 11th. It has been tentatively moved to April 25th. We talked about that last week on Gun Owners Radio. So it's about the safe storage gun storage ordinance. Um, I will keep everyone posted as I check the week before to make sure it is on that agenda on the 25th, and I'll provide any changes um, if it is or if it
1: doesn't. Okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. Heather Hawk, Orange County Gun Owners Uh, Executive Director. And lastly, but not leastly, is uh, Inland Empire Gun Owners uh, Executive Director Carla Talley is on the line. How are you, Carla?
3: I'm doing good. How's everyone else?
1: Fantastic. What's going on in uh, beautiful Inland Empire?
3: Uh, It is a gorgeous day out here today. Um, No rain, lots of sunshine, warm weather. But uh, more importantly, we are having our uh, San Bernardino County CCW seminar Wednesday night on Zoom and on Facebook Live. So tune in if you were looking to get your CCW in San Bernardino County. Um, just putting, pulling together the last-minute things for our monthly meeting on the 22nd out in Canyon Lake this time. Um, it's going to be at a nice pizza place out there called PVA, Oven Fire Goodness. And then on the 29th, one of the reasons why I'm um, uh, calling in is we're having a town hall called Fighting Crime and Protecting Yourself in South Riverside County. Nice. And that is free to the community. Um, we invite everyone to come out. Just you, you need to register, though. You need to go to ReformCalifornia.org under Events or go to IEGunOwners.org under uh, Special Events. Go into Events, and then down to the bottom it says Special Events. Go in there. You can click on the, the graphic that's in there, and it will take you to a website to sign up to go.
1: IEGunowners.com slash events, and then go to special yes. events? Okay. Correct. Great. Yeah, this event's going to be very, very cool. Um, there's going to have some, some guest speakers. We're going to talk about yep. uh, some of the things that are happening that are impacting people and their their safety and, and some of the public policy decisions that have led to uh, Inland Empire and, and really most most of California being less safe. And why is that important for gun owners? How do gun owners fit in? So we need you to show up. We need you to come and, and um, make make a big splash. So sign up today yeah. and come out and join us. Awesome. Carla, anything else? Um, I think that's it for this week. Well, you are awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And we'll talk to you soon.
3: Thanks. Talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, that Reform California slash Inland Empire gun owners thing is going to be a cool event. It's going to be a, it's going to, hopefully it's going to be a big event, um, but it's definitely going to be a cool event. So if you guys, uh, if you have any room on your calendar, what are you doing that day, Dave?
2: What day? Is it a Saturday or Sunday? It's a Saturday. Yeah. I don't know. When
1: is it? He's so, always
0: on KOSI.
1: It's, yeah, uh, I that's, early. that's early in the morning. Just fell out of my head. Yeah, I know. The date just fell out of my head. I know. It's uh, I heard it hit the floor. Du, 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 it is. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Go to IEGunOwners.com. I will do that. <laughs> I will do that. Uh, so, Anyway, well, awesome. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to the show. I'm looking forward to uh, all the stuff we're going to talk about here. I'm definitely looking forward to yeah. talk about, uh, th- did you follow the-, the Nathan Fletcher emails,
2: Dave? Oh, Doug. <laughs> That's going to be fun. It's when you never think it could get any crazier. It does. It yeah. really, really, really does. Yeah, I had a big, major rant on the last of the You Ought to Know show mm. between gas and electric. So I mm. feel much better. <laughs> feel much better. I'm guessing I, I know what side. You're well, on. if you're building from the ground up and the inside out, who can afford a sixty thousand dollar electric car? Yeah, yeah. I know. But anyway, we, we. I digress. But it was. I felt better because I mean, and I told everybody, you just. I said this isn't Republican. It's not Democrat. It's not right. Libertarian. Right. It's America. Yep. We need to get our get our self you know be self-efficient with all our oil and minerals and things like that and just do our own thing and then we'll slowly graduate into electric cars. Yeah. And so you can come out with a ten thousand dollar car that's all electric and charges up and gives you a three hundred mile range. Then okay, I'm We're golden. Go. Yep. Let's all right, it. cool. All right, let's take a quick break, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM eleven seventy. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer.
5: Mary Forges is a violent crime survivor, Second Amendment advocate, marketing mercenary, and a mom of two teenagers. All the accolades for me. She is on an unwavering journey to protect and preserve our constitutional rights, and Mary is our next guest up right after this.
2: But first, if you own a gun in California, you should have an attorney that specializes in California gun laws. On your speed dial. Because if you ever have legal matters that involve firearms, you need California's firearm lawyer, John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Our trusted firearms attorney is John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Put his number on your phone right now. 760-642-7150. That's John Dillon. John Dillon. California Firearms Lawyer, 760 642 7150. Can you imagine police officer pulls you over? Excuse me, can see your driver's license and in charge. Hold on a minute. Seven six oh. Could you could you talk to my lawyer? I wonder if he talked to him. He might. Probably not. Probably not. Who's uh, our guest?
0: We have Mary. Mary, are you there?
2: I am. I'm
0: here. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the show.
6: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So, Mary, you're the Connecticut representative for the DC Project, but can you give us an introduction to our audience and tell us a little bit more about you?
6: Sure. So I actually do a lot. Um, I've been the state director for Connecticut for the DC Project for a little over a year now, but I also have been in firearm training um, since 2017. Um previously more so as like on, on a marketing level rather than on instruction level. And after 2019, it became more of an instruction level. And additionally, I am a 911 emergency dispatcher. So I dispatch police, fire, and medical emergencies here in Connecticut. And I have a small business that is a marketing company. I am a simulation scenario instructor at WAFT down in West Orlando, Florida, and I am a featured writer for Armed Lifestyle magazine.
0: So what don't you do, Mary? That seems like a better question here. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I, I do a lot. And on top of all that, I also have two teenagers. So,
0: I, I can't I imagine raising two teenagers like that right now.
6: No, it's... Um, Yeah, I mean, within the mix of everything, I'm going to say that's probably the hardest job is raising teenagers.
5: I can imagine that. (laughs) They keep you pretty busy. (laughs) So Mary, you mentioned mentioned it seems like going back in history as far as 2017. I'm curious, back in your youth, did you have any exposure to firearms growing up or was this more of a recent exposure that you've had?
6: I mean, my my grandfather had a revolver when we were growing up. So I I was always around a firearm, not so much where I handled one. Um, When my daughter was too so in 2008 um i had visited with my my mother and my stepfather out in kansas where they had resided and they had firearms and i ended up shooting their firearm. you know they, they taught me basically my introduction to firearms like how to handle it and what i'm aiming at you know so like the, it was like the very very basic fundamentals right. of um, firearms was in 2008 and then about a decade ago, I ended up getting my my permit as a single mother. I was like, you know, I, I at least have to have the tools available to me if I do need to protect my kids and myself.
0: So Mary, what made you dive into the deep end then with firearms? Because it seems like you do a lot with the firearms industry now. So what made you go that route?
6: So in so I had my permit and then um, in 2019, November 2019, I was attacked in my home and uh, I'm basically, so I'm a survivor of a violent attack, and I had to pull my firearm in that incident. And since then, I became more of an advocate of the education behind firearms because at the time, I, yes, I did have my permit and I did own a gun, but I honestly didn't know much other than like, I didn't know much of what I was doing other than aiming my gun at somebody to make sure that my life was preserved. So, I didn't have any additional training, even like the follow-up of an incident, like how to, um, you know, when, when I call the police, how to, you know, inform them on this situation. And I just, I dove into it. And then in 2021, I met with Holly Sullivan from Connecticut. She's the uh, president of the CCDL. And she introduced me to the DC project. And then I met Diana Mueller and it's been a rabbit hole ever since then
5: <laughs> so. so you bring up a really great important point because i think a lot of the public in general is probably about the same place that you were they think that if they are in a legitimate self-defense situation they defend their life they think they're going to be okay but you bring up a very valid point that it's important to know those follow-up those follow-up points what to do what to say because it's not so much as easy as you may think just because it was a legitimate defense that you're going to necessarily be okay. You, you have to know the right way to proceed, and those things are important to know, and that training is important.
6: Correct. It's, you know, how to handle that situation in those moments, but also how to communicate with officers, and then even, like, the aftermath a few months after, like that psychological aspect of processing what you went through and how to prevent it from happening again. You know, you start to you analyze why, how you got into that situation, and what you could have done differently. So th- there's a lot that comes with it. It's that, like the the thought process and the education behind it, it doesn't live and die within that moment. It continues for, you know, months, years later where you're trying to figure it out and then mm-hmm. also help other people figure it out.
5: So, Mary, I know that your story, there's a video up on the DC Project website. I, I did watch it. I know that others want to see that your story as well. Can you kind of share with us where they can find that story if they want to just kind of hear a little bit more background? Because I want to kind of go more into the, the now but if they want to hear more of that history i'd love for you to share where they can find that
6: sure they could find it at the dc project or so it's actually dcproject.info and we also have a docu series that's being launched this upcoming week the dc project's being featured um, but it was produced by jeff hayes films and the dc projects will be sending out emails and putting up. Updates on their social media as those as that docu series is released, and my story is included within that docu series.
5: Perfect. So, by way of by way of additional training that you were referencing, what do you think is a or is a critical next step? We you know we people they get their fundamentals, they learn how to aim, they learn how to stand, they learn how to load a gun what what would you recommend as a self-defender where do we go next with our training what should be our next steps that we look for
6: the next steps that we're looking for is i would say the the medical aspect of it too you know um any type of stop the bleed classes or the mental aspect of it how to help somebody else that's going through that type of situation or has gone through it um it's really the communication i'm going to say it's not always just the the you know wasting ammo down late uh, downrange on a target. it's also again how not to even become a target in in the in the first place, how not to be in that situation um so I, I that's what I would say is the continued education you know it's not only just wasting ammo um but I would say like in my situation the the use of low light and barricade training that would have been a lot more valuable in my incident because it's in my house is at night time so again rather than showing up at the range buying a box of ammo and going through it um i would say seek training from people that have that you know that that they've either experienced it um i wouldn't say only military and law enforcement but seeking that additional training
5: okay absolutely that's what we call purposeful
0: training, right? Like going to the range with an intent on, hey, this is what I want to practice today.
1: Correct. Exactly. What do you think, the uh, what what's the what's a major difference that you've noticed between uh, male and female students when it comes to firearms?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hitting right the here. target? All, yeah. all, by the way, all, all, all three women just started laughing. Women which, listen? Yeah, that
1: makes me a little... Uh, you
0: sure you want to ask that question, Mike? Dave and
1: I went, yeah, that's a really good question. And all three women started laughing. So, all right, go for it. <clears throat> Unload. And I
6: for starters, like, so when I first, when I got my very first gun, the Glock 43, I walked into the gun store, and this was before my incident. I walked into the gun store, and the the gentleman that works there, there's actually two of them, they said, this is the gun that you want. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they just said that this is automatically This is what I'm going to want, which it was a great firearm, you know, and it, it saved my life. Um, but they just assumed what was going to fit me rather than saying like, you know, let's test drive a few things and what are you comfortable with? And, you know, hold this firearm. And so I would say that's a little bit different is where I feel like women are expected that, you know, you have to fit kind of like a certain mold or expectation within the industry. And then additionally, as far as our, you know, our clients showing up for training, guys show up that are in you know, they're they're in, like, their cargo pants, or plate carriers. They're completely geared out. And women show up coming from, like, they work at banks or they're teachers. They show up in, like, their regular attire. They're becoming business casual. And they're like, hey, this is my gun, and I carry off body, or this is how I carry, and how can I be better with it? Guys, they're more super um, – they're pushing it on a tactical level, I'd say.
1: I, you know, I go back and forth with, with – uh, I, I sometimes wonder if people go – A little too far or, you know, on the whole, uh, you got to get the right gun for your, you know, for your hand or whatever.
0: It's a big deal though, Mike.
1: It it is, but it feels to me, I go back and forth between it's a big deal, get it right, try 15 guns, blah, 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 blah. And the other side is I think anybody can use any gun, like any issue, hands are so similar to each other and guns are so similar to each other. Almost any issue can be worked through with training. I, I don't think people train enough, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, th- I think, like, you know, well, gee, I don't like a Glock because of this, or I don't like a SIG because of that, or I don't like a Shield because of this. My bet is that whatever they don't like can be trained through.
0: Mike, you and I are completely different. Look at our hands. My hands are a little bit smaller than yours, sir. (laughs) And when we talk about females and how we're built differently, right? Like there's some females out there that have hands half the size of mine, right? Because I'm a tall girl and you know that. So being able to grip something properly to actually get that good grip, that's a big deal for a lot of
5: women. So you know why Mike can say that though? Because he's a man with big, strong man hands. Man hands can do that. Right, <laughs> women, women, do. small hands that are that don't have the, the grip strength of a man. Yeah. Um, there's other factors other than you know. There to a point, absolutely true. Training to a point, you can make modifications, you can adjust your grip. But if you're talking about making an investment, if you know. If you're if it's something you already have, yeah, adapt and make it work. But if you know you're looking to buy, you might as well buy something that fits you. But hand size isn't the only thing to consider, too.
0: Think of arthritis, too. Like I worked with a woman this morning that she had really, really bad arthritis, so she couldn't really grip the the gun.
1: Well, I think the job that the guns gonna, is being bought for us, I think it's it's a bigger deal than 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 hand size mm-hmm. even. But absolutely. Okay, so we are gonna we got one more segment with you, Mary. I, I want to talk to you about a few things and get real specific on some things. So. Can't tell you how much I appreciate you calling in and being with us today. So if you can hang with us while we go to a commercial and uh, come right back.
2: You got it right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Orange County Gun Owners is dedicated to preserving and restoring Orange County's self-defense rights. And if you live in Orange County and want to help defend and restore the Second Amendment, you need to join OCGunOwners.com slash join. Orange County Gun Owners is the do-something organization to restore and defend the Second Amendment. Volunteer at a shooting social at a gun shop and tabletop and help more pro-gun local officials get elected. Save the date. Orange County Gun Prom is May 20th. Become a member today at OCGunOwners.com slash join. Mary, thanks so much for for being with us. You know,
1: um, this month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and Desi with our Women's Program has a ton of events lined up uh, that we're going to talk to her about a little bit a little bit later. And you were, you were talking, Mary. You said that uh, one of the things that got you more involved was was an an incident, something that had an attack that you you were attacked. I believe in your home, right?
6: It was in my home. It was on a. But Like I said, November 2019 is Friday night, 9 o'clock at night, and I was home alone. So it was the place I was supposed to feel the safest. That's where I got attacked.
1: And that's – I wanted to – so on a macro level, kind of, you know, from 30,000 feet, it got you more involved. It got you more dedicated to teaching others, you know, a little deeper into the subject of firearms and that sort of thing, which I think is, is awesome. I can't tell you how much uh, – we appreciate all the hard work that you do. But I'm curious, what – what kind of impact and what kind of changes have been have you experienced and seen in yourself um, on more of a day to day basis? Being attacked in the the place where you're supposed to feel most safe.
6: Um, I'm going to say I, I constantly lock my doors. You know that the house was broken into. I now have uh, two locks on both entry spots in my house, um, and then i say on the day to day, I'm making sure that I'm having that dialogue going with other women gun owners that aren't necessarily, you know, conservatives or Republicans, but anybody in any type of with any political affiliation or no political affiliation, having that dialogue on a daily basis of helping other women get involved with as far as sharing their testimony, reaching out to representatives, um, even if it's just meeting with them, you know, for at the range and just doing one on one. But I'm just trying to help other people with the resources that I have, really. You know, the resources that have become available to me in the past few years. um, that's, That's how I'm applying it on a daily basis.
1: How was it navigating the aftermath?
6: as a what of aspect like mentally or
1: <laughs> all of the above really honestly um i think i'm most curious about mentally what was it like trying to navigate that but also if you could just kind of touch on the you know the legalities and, and the logistics of everything after but but primarily I'm, I'm really curious how things how you were able to you know get past it or was it was it not that hard was it what kind of work did you have to do to get past that mentally cuz that's huge
6: so i'm going to say Mentally, I in the beginning, the first couple of weeks, it felt more of like a shock, um, and I don't think I actually fully processed it. And again, so this is end of 2019. I talked about it, but I didn't have a lot of emotional reaction to it and say like, "Holy, you know, holy crap, this happened to me," um, until March of 2020 when COVID hit, and I. I was in the restaurant industry at the time and I was laid off from COVID and about a week being home alone you know with my kids obviously but having those days off where I actually started to process it I was like I really need to actually talk to a therapist and process what happened here because um, not that I was ignoring it but I also was working you know two full time jobs and raising my kids I was I went into more like a survivor mode on that aspect where I didn't allow myself to dive into it much um, as far as on a recovery level until a few months after it happened.
1: I I would just imagine, like, it would not be unusual or surprising if, you know, I I mean, this is probably something you think about all the time still. I mean, from maybe like when you're just turning a corner, you know, inside your house or when you're outside your house or, or, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, there are times I think, okay, I got to go run a quick errand. You know, I got to go pick up a gallon of milk or whatever at the store. Uh, I don't have my gun on me. Whatever, I'm just gonna go. And I think to myself, no, you really should. Well, what if this is? But blah, blah, blah. I'll bet you that conversation in your head is far more serious and dire. I would I would guess that when you leave the house, that it is. That there's no way you're leaving without mm-hmm. without protection.
4: Correct.
6: And so if I'm not leaving. You know, I'll leave my house at least with a gun and if I can't carry my gun with me forever wherever I'm going because I live in Connecticut, I'll at least have a knife on me, which I've never carried a knife before until after this incident. so um, that was a whole new you know addition to accessories to my daily life, but also for protection uh, protection purposes was I started carrying a knife on me. Um, I also realized you know at least once a day in the beginning and then every other day, I was looking up this looking for this guy's obituary to see if he had um died because he was actually a, a drug a drug addict and an alcoholic and he was in and out of programs. So even after this incident, um because it's an ongoing court case, I would constantly find myself Googling to see if he was even still alive. So that kinda it took up my daily life whereas it became a routine. I wanted to see where he was at because I thought he could come out at any time again, even though it wasn't expected the first time, he could come out of nowhere again and attack me.
1: Is that a real fear, or is that a... Is it
6: was, it... and he um, he actually ended up passing away April 2021, so it kind of died since then, when he died. Um, that fear died, but I was I was having nightmares about it, and they were really demented nightmares up until he passed away. Wow.
1: So, And did all that, was it pointed specifically at him, or do you find yourself um, looking at humanity differently? You know what I mean? Do you look at strangers definitely.
6: Absolutely looking at humanity differently because previously I was more involved. There's an organization called 22Kill, and it's focused on helping veterans that are struggling with certain things, and this person was a veteran that was struggling with substance abuse. And I, unfortunately... um, (laughs) Really, really strong and fortunate was I stepped back from helping people after this incident. And it, previously, I was a huge advocate because, you know, my brother has my brother had gone through some things after getting out of the Marine Corps, and that was where my advoc- advocacy really, you know, stayed previous to this incident. And then after this, I was like, I don't want to help anybody anymore because it makes me vulnerable. Mm.
0: And Mary, based off of what you experienced, what can our listeners or should our listeners take away from your story?
6: I would say um, take those preventative courses, if it's an option where you live, is just take courses of how to read people as far as body language or how to handle, I would say take like a mental health advocate type of course or a crisis first aid course where you're able to apply verbal judo and communicate with somebody that's in a crisis situation because a lot of times people that are attacked, they're attacked by somebody that is obviously going through a mental crisis. And if you're able to have that verbal judo and at least create a distance from that person, from your attacker, then you have a lot more opportunity to not have to go through the aftermath of a crisis. So I would say before focusing just on the firearms and the training, take a verbal judo type of course. I
1: think that's a great takeaway. Is there a part of you that looks back and thinks, wow, I got through this, I survived it, I, I made myself better, you know, better prepared, more, more knowledgeable because of it? Um, is there a part of you that is, that, that is proud of yourself?
6: Of course, there's the majority of me proud Good. of myself. Um, definitely because in my situation, I say, when I'm telling my story, when you go on the DC info, but in my incident, I'm being attacked and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be left for dead. And then my proudest part of my attack was Defending my daughter more than defending myself,
7: Jeez. so
6: I think that's where I take the most pride. In my traumatic incident, was that I saved my kid's life.
1: So part of DC project is you talk to politicians, you talk to elected officials, uh, specifically in DC. Um, when when have when you talk when you talk to to uh, politicians or elected officials that aren't on your side? Are they they aren't really strong on Second Amendment issues? And you tell them your your story. How do they react?
6: It's hit or miss. Um, Just a few months ago, I'm going to say about two months ago, I actually testified at the Capitol here in Connecticut, so up at Hartford, and it wasn't a politician, but it was somebody that was, he's the founder of an organization called Connecticut Against Gun Violence, so CTAGV, and similar to, like, the Moms Demand Action with the red shirts, except he has the orange shirts, so he tried to use me as an example for himself saying that you know if i had my gun locked up right next to my bed then i would have not have been in such a traumatic um
1: incident what but, wait, yeah. wait 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 How, explain yeah, he, that to me what's his, yeah. what's his what, rationale what's
6: <laughs> so the, his thing was that because obviously he's pushing for safe storage laws so he said you know if she had her gun locked up next to her bed she still would have been safe because it would have been right next to her bed but I said, you don't get to choose where you get to attack, where you're going to get attacked. So if I had gotten attacked in my kitchen, you know, I still need to be quickly, my gun still needs to be quickly accessible. So um, there's been arguments with that. There's been, you know, this past September I went down and I shared my story with Blumenthal's office down in D.C. Blumenthal's office actually entertained our conversation. Um, They invited us to that table for that discussion and to talk about the second amendment so it was a lot more welcoming which i was surprised with but chris murphy's office you walk into his office and they have zero interest at all it doesn't matter if you're you know that one of those two million lives that saved your you know that saved your life with a firearm that year um doesn't matter what statistic you fall under if you don't fall under their statistic that's their narrative really so they had no interest in even having that conversation with me.
1: Wow, were they rude about it or polite about it? Or I'm just curious.
6: They were pretty rude about it. They, they, Jerks. Uh, Murphy's <laughs> office, yeah. Murphy's office completely shut me down. Wow. They wouldn't even make eye contact. They were like, you know, we basically we entertained the conversation with you because we, you know that's kind of our job here. But at the same time, we don't have any interest in talking about it. So they're very much um, strong on gun storage laws.
1: I don't know this, but I'll bet you Murphy was real vocal with the whole, you know, uh, me too and believe women, and when all that happened, I'll bet you, I'll bet you everybody in his office was very supportive. And here, here you have an empowered woman who was a victim, and you know, did something about it and was able to defend herself. And they, they, they won't even listen to you. And in fact, rude. I don't know. I don't know where if 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 they were vocal on it or not. But I'm willing to bet they probably were. What a bunch of no, hipers. you're
6: you're absolutely right. And the thing is when you walk into Chris Murphy's office, the the very unfortunate thing before that conversation even starts is that his walls are painted green for Sandy Hook. He has the memorials up for Sandy Hook and everything. So he already has his mindset and his staffers already have their mindset of um as far as the second amendment. So it's it's really hard to have that conversation with them because they already have their mindset up or made up.
1: Well, Mary, thank you so much for talking to us. Is there, is there a website you, you want to promote, or, or where, where, where should people learn more?
6: Sure. So on a political level, if you want to get involved with just sharing your story, you know, providing testimony, uh, that would be dcproject.info. And then if you're looking at doing any type of scenario training with myself and my coworkers, um, that would be waft.com, which is dot tcom
2: Wow. Great story. Thank you very much. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you want to go flying? Yeah. Did you know we have a world-class flight training school right here in San Diego? Pilots can fly almost every day thanks to our weather. And it's the best place to fly in the world. Learn to fly with San Diego Flight Training International. Check out this deal just for gun owner radio listeners. One hour of ground school, one hour of flight, actual fly with the instructor. Normally, that's $400. But for listeners, $50 bucks off, $350. Getting started is real easy. Give them a call at 858-569-1822 or go to learn to fly with SDFTI. Or I would just call him at 858 569
1: So a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nathan Fletcher said that he was dropping out of the his race for state senator because he wanted to deal with some uh, personal issues, and I immediately sniffed. Mm-hmm. Up, something was fishy. Uh, there was no way he, yeah. with his yeah. ego and ambition. And he's
2: been out. How long has he been out of the military?
1: It, over a decade. Thank you very much. Over it's not an
0: excuse anymore.
1: So, yeah. well, I got to tell you. It's just because of who he is, you know, and and what what I know of him, what people know of him. It was was clearly an excuse. He was clearly trying to get out in front of a story. That's exactly what happened. So the next big story, huge story, huge story. Being accused of not just sexual harassment, but sexual assault. Yeah. um, Accused by more than one person of sexual harassment. I choose one. Um, It's really, really bad. So uh, that was two weeks ago. So last week, it had been a week. And I thought, well, gee, if anybody else in San Diego County, I should say, if Mara Elliott had been – and she's the city attorney for San Diego. Had she, her office been made aware that of anybody in San Diego, San Diego County who was being accused you know, of sexual assault in court, um, you know, sexual harassment, and was admitting to being you know, mentally uh, unstable – and, and dealing with an addiction problem, anybody else, gun violence restraining order.
2: Without a shadow of a doubt.
1: And, we, and I, I, I know, because I used to know him, I know he had a gun, and I heard through the grapevine he had a CCW, so I know he was a gun owner. Right. So I'm going, all right. But he well,
2: doesn't want to lose that. Well,
1: so I'm trying, you know, all right, well, let, let's see what happens. So last week I sent a letter to the sheriff— uh, Kelly Martinez, to the district attorney, Summer Steffen, to Mara Elliott, and to the uh, police police chief, San Diego police chief, uh, Dave Neaslet saying, hey, look, you know, pointing out what I just pointed out. He's admitting to this. He's being accused of that. Um, so I'm assuming he's lost the CCW by now, and I'm assuming there's a gun violence restraining order happening, so let's check on that progress. Now, Sheriff Martinez is wonderful on Second Amendment issues. Summer Steffen is great on Second Amendment issues. I actually met with her last week, coincidentally, about something else. Um, so, you know, their response was was fine. And you know the uh, the the sheriff indicated that it, it's being they're, they're, they they really legally can't tell us. They can't say, oh, this personal you know issue. Yeah. You know, they they can't yeah. tell us. But I'm he's going to lose a CCW. He has to. He's going to lose a CCW.
2: You know what? I know this guy. Who won't leave it alone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just know this guy. I have to introduce you to him. He's a hell of a nice guy. <laughs> well, but but my Mar- right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that guy?
1: Well, I already know that it's it's happening. But Mara Elliott, she responded and said, "Look, um, he she she one hundred percent focused on the uh, PTSD claim. You know that he that he's making." And, and and the addiction and basically said hey look i don't want, we're not going to issue a gun run strainer him, and went on to talk about how um, it, we really shouldn't stigmatize people that are dealing with addiction and post traumatic stress
2: what? <laughs> that's the basis <laughs> of
1: so this i yeah. i was appalled the the amount of empathy she had for nathan and the complete lack of mention of his alleged victims is appalling, absolutely appalling. Now, I have seen, of course, I drafted a response. You can see the response on uh, San Diego County Gun dot com or you can go to our, our Facebook page or our Instagram and you can see the response. But I pointed out that she has been extremely aggressive at, you know, uh, issuing gun training orders, according to her. She's constantly bragging about, you know, some new milestone, you know, 500, 600, 700, 1000, you know. So she, you know, she's extremely aggressive when it comes to issuing and there have been far milder cases. There, mm-hmm. there's a, a a far lower bar, you know, for people who aren't named Nathan Fletcher. You know, I've seen people, I've heard of people who who you know come to the organization looking for help who uh, were in a divorce mm-hmm. and uh, you know things got heated and you know accusations were made. Next thing you know, Boom. the wife who caught the husband cheating, she's got a gun violence restraining order against her. And then when the husband came forward and said, hey, you know what, I need to retract my statement, I was just emotional and I shouldn't have said that. And they said, well, if you retract it, We're going to prosecute you for filing a false police report. (laughs) And went forward with the gun violence restraining order, which the judge threw out and said, this is asinine, ridiculous, and stupid. I've seen and heard of you know firsthand from people who had a gun – this guy had a gun violence restraining order issued against him uh, for posting an offensive, dark humor meme on Facebook. And he was kind of, I guess, what we could gather, he was kind of the weird guy in the office anyway. Nobody really liked him. Lost his job. Lost his guns, uh, you know, thousands of dollars in legal fees. So for her to suggest that that you know that she's worried about stigma, you know, or for her to suggest that this doesn't meet her minimum criteria is completely and totally bogus. She did not issue this gun violence restraining order because he is her political ally and friend. Well, of course. So did you? And you responded? That was the response. So I basically said, look, so and a lot of people. Th- I get the the thought of hey yeah let's gun violence restraining order or this guy you know because he's a jerk. That really was never the intention. Um, I don't want him gun violence restraining order. I, I don't want anybody. He could and, snap. And so the next uh, uh, the next ask the, the, for the letter. I want everybody to get Nathan Fletcher treatment. I want everybody in San Diego County.
2: Mm-hmm. to get
1: that level of, tr- of, of, of consideration.
2: And did you write her letter and say, I want to thank you, now you've changed your attitude and well, you'll be more benevolent when somebody gets into a situation? No,
1: the letter, and again, you can see the letter. No, I specifically asked, I want everyone to get the Nathan Fletcher treatment. Stop issuing gun violence restraining orders. She, you're, by not issuing, she's admitting that, hey, I don't want to ruin this guy's life. He's my friend. You know, I don't want to ruin his political life. I don't want to ruin his, his his personal life. He's my friend. Yeah, these things ruin lives. Yeah, funny thing. That's exactly what Glad happens. You not. Now you've ruined how many? A thousand? Over a lot. Now the yeah. other the other thing. There's two other two other points, but one you'll like this. Uh, if you haven't read the letter yet, uh, I asked specifically. Well, okay, if if there is some sort of list of offenses that you know someone can commit, and then face no consequences from her office, as long as they claim PTSD or alcoholism, we'd like her to publish that list. We need to know. You know, like, what offense can I do? You know, what crime can I commit? And then say, oh, PTSD and uh, alcoholism, oh, oh, oh. and then oh, no, consequence-free. Because that's, ex- that's not even an interpretation of what she was saying. It's almost exactly what she was, you know, Have in you gotten a saying. response? Well, that it'd be a response to my response. I sent the so I sent, waiting. I sent my initial letter on Wednesday, Thursday. I got responses from everybody. Friday, I spent sent my response to Mara Elliott. Um, so if I get a response to response, we'll okay. see. But I'm on KUSI tomorrow to talk oh! more about it. Are you gonna do it? Oh yeah. And uh, but I really want to emphasize, we don't like gun violence restraining orders. I we knew from the beginning you were there was be n- terrible. Well, there was no uh, question in my head. Number one. I knew she wasn't going to issue a gun violence training order. Number two, I knew she wasn't going to do anything because I asked. We don't have any influence over Mara Elliott. She's as anti-gun as the day is long. Right. So I knew, like, just, hey, put this out there. She's going to admit no. She's not going to issue. And then, boom, now it shows. Look, look at the subjectivity of this thing. Right. These things are dangerous and horrible. Right. So uh, we want everybody. So now the narrative going forward, the message from all gun owners in San Diego should be, we want Nathan Fletcher
2: treatment. Okay, so you're moving tonight. Where are you going? What, what do you mean? Well, you can't stay in your house. <laughs> Mike yeah. doesn't have a house right now, remember? I know, and I think house that's surface. why he I'm does like a, I'm like a turtle. I th- a very he does that
0: turtle. on purpose. <laughs> so, no, I'm wh- not – believe me, Dave, What
2: about I, I'm Martinez? Not worried about anything. What about Martinez? She was wonderful. She. she but, I mean, can she – Help? Can she do anything, or does it have to be more? Well,
1: her. so her part of it was she said, hey, licensing is investigating to see whether or not he oh. gets to keep his CCW.
2: Fantastic.
1: You know, and At least
2: they're going to look into it.
1: Summer Steffen was great. Dave Neeslet, the San Diego PD, uh, chief of police, was wonderful. I can't say enough. He called me up. What a gentleman. What a fantastic wow. guy. What a um, what a positive influence in San Diego. I cannot say enough good. He's the only not elected guy, right? His boss is you know, Todd Gloria and all the elected. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's not a whole lot. But he, what a great guy. San Diego, you were blessed to have a good police chief.
2: I'll be done. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM
1: 1170.
2: The Answer. Legal aspects. The list goes on and on. If you want to know the latest in automotive news and have some fun while doing it, there's only one show for that. You want to know with Dave Stahl. Sundays at 2 p.m. on FM 96.1 and AM 1170. The Answer.
4: If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them?
2: By their clothes, their age, the way they speak. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you
1: by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council.
2: Streaming now at the and Odyssey.com.
1: This program is sponsored by
0: Dave Stahl.
2: Folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. <coughs> Inland Empire gun owners strive to be the ounce of prevention in the fight for your gun rights. How do they do it? They do it by fundraising and getting local pro-gun candidates elected. Become a member today. Go to iegunowners.com slash join and join the growing number of responsibly gu- responsible gun owners stepping up to defend our Second Amendment rights. That's IEGunowners.com slash join Gun Owners Radio
1: Range Day on April 23rd. Does he want to talk about that real quick?
0: Yeah, of course. So on April 23rd, we have planned a very fun range day out at one of our outdoor ranges. We're going to have some shooting on steel. We're going to have some really cool guns from Gunfighter Tactical out there to test out. We're going to be doing some moving and shooting. And it's just going to be a great, fun afternoon for us to go outside and shoot together. Hopefully, the weather is going to be beautiful out. So... Really looking forward to it. Rich and I put a lot of work into planning this very special event and I can't wait for it to kick off.
1: Gunfighter Tactical is going to be there. They're awesome. They're going to they have their new uh, their new uh, PCC um, which is an AR pistol. PCC's a, PCC is a um, it's like an AR in in, in pistol caliber, right? Yep. You know what that is? Mhm. Thank you very much. I wanted to make sure. And then also Franklin Armory is going to have products there for demo and X Nihilo is going to be there. Um, which I found out is Latin for something, and I forgot what it's Latin for. But one of our listeners emailed and said, uh, "This is how you pronounce it, and this is what it means." Um, so yeah, it's a hundred bucks normally, right? But if you're a ten ring member, it's only twenty bucks. Yes, sir. You have any room left?
0: Uh, I mean, I might take some bribes. That if someone still <laughs> wants to join us, then you know I'll take cash bribes if anybody wants to. <laughs> All right, good. Or ammo.
1: Subscribe and win. Our winner this week is, of course, if you go to gunownersradio.com, you subscribe to our email list, you could win a cool special prize. This week's winner is Troy Step. Congratulations, Troy. We'll get a hold of you and figure out how to get your cool prize to you. Um, so you could win uh, free training, Stretch Tactical Two Day Advanced Pistol, May 20, 21st. All you got to do is enter the drawing at gunownersradio.com. And then slash training, the number four, members. So gunownersradio.com slash training, number four, members.
5: All right, Mike, you've teased it a couple weeks in a row. i gotta, I got to give it. Go. Ex-nilo. It means from or out of nothing. Yes. There you go. What you she go. said. And it's Latin, right? <laughs> Correct.
1: Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, what else here? Okay, so let's talk about, why don't you uh, touch on... Uh, Desi, what's what are some of the events that are coming up for uh, Not Me this month? Is
0: this month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and so I've developed a campaign of special events throughout the month. And last week I had my virtual CCW seminar with the ladies of Not Me, and I had about ten ladies on there, which was a great little small group. I always love that because they always ask some great questions, very eager to learn. So I'll be making sure those ladies are going through the process to, of course, apply for their CCW. And this week is our pepper spray and situational awareness class with none other than the Alicia. Oh. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about what that class is going to entail, Alicia? Sure.
5: So, you know, a lot of the, the, the kind of things that were touched on a little bit with Mary um, on the earlier segment, we're going to talk about the situational awareness things. We're going to talk about de-escalation. We're going to talk about um, just overall awareness. And then we are going to move into should should all of those measures not be enough, taking those next steps, Um, sometimes a firearm is not always the right answer and so we're going to talk about the option of oc spray how and when to use it when is it appropriate when is it not and if it is how to do it
1: if a firearm is not the right answer are Mm -hmm. you asking the right question
0: well, we like to talk about less than lethal options, because oh, if we think about two- sense.
5: Orange is not my color. Yeah, not my <laughs> color either. <laughs> Teal
0: is, of course, but orange, not so much. But we like to promote you know, other forms of self-defense for, of course, the ladies of Not Me. We focus on firearms specifically, but we also understand that not everybody has a CCW right now, and taking that step to get their CCW, it's a very, it's a very big decision, right? And to carry and have the mindset, there's a lot that goes into that. So I really like to promote other forms of self-defense because having more tools in your tool belt is just going to make you feel that much more confident and empowered to protect yourself should a situation arise. And what was really interesting about the conversation with Mary earlier, she touched on a lot of things, again, that Alicia is going to cover with us in these classes. And, you know, every time I've taken this class because, well, I attend all the classes that we put on for the girls, of not me, I always take away something new from all these classes. And I find myself being more aware in my surroundings and my situations even it's just the little things like walking to and from the grocery store. Like I'm not never on my cell phone. Like I'm always scanning the parking lot and making sure that, you know, I'm aware of anybody that's out there. And if they start walking at me, you know, then I, I'd the other way or tell them to back off, but back off, back off. Um, oh, but yeah, it's it's, awesome. these are great classes. And then next week we're doing an image based decision-making. So this is kind of part two to the pepper spray class and Alicia, I know you're a trainer for that class as well. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain a little bit about what that class consists of?
5: Sure. It's uh, basically images are going to be presented. They're, they're predetermined images that the instructor will decide to lay out. And what's kind of interesting is that as instructors, we're taught to kind of uh, type our people. So to get to know our students and, we'll, we know what, and we know how to affect them. So we're going to pick scenarios that are appropriate. Um, And we put the people in the scenario and when appropriate, we'll give background. We may give background information, situations that you may be in. It may be that you have your arms loaded down with groceries. It might be that it's it's a dark night. There's no streetlights. Whatever the situation may be, we're going to present you with a visual card that shows what you see. And then you have to make a very good first decision. And we give you generally five seconds to make that first good decision. And we'll talk to you about your options ahead of time, what your options may be and what the mindset can be. Um, and then, and what's, what's really great about it is, is we, it, it gets a little bit of adrenaline going and there are times to where everybody just wants to, you know, especially in the two way community, we always, uh, well, a gun, I'm going to pull a gun because I got to pull a gun. That's not always the right answer. No. Sometimes that right answer is not getting involved, walk away, sometimes making, being a good witness, making a call. It just depends. And so it's, it's really kind of putting you in the middle of not knowing what you're, what's going to be thrown your way and just kind of giving you that opportunity to make some good choices
1: i actually got a lot of feedback um from our discussion last week where we talked about uh uh, i think it was last week Mm -hmm. two weeks ago where we talked about you know is there a difference between uh the criteria for brandishing and the criteria for uh you know for 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 basically using your firearm i guess is probably the I forget how I asked the question. I asked it a really great way last week, but we talked about... (laughs) That was last week, though, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, it led to a uh, very interesting discussion on, uh, you know, what it means. You know, how how do you... What's the criteria for, for... Uh, you know, pulling from concealment, which I thought was was really great. I thought it was a really good discussion. We got a lot of positive feedback on it. Well,
0: and as you guys know, in California, if you have to brandish your firearm or even if you have to use your firearm, your consequences are detrimental here. Like, regardless, you're going to court for civil and for criminal, right? And so we try to help teach other options. So you don't, like, firearms is the last resort for us, right? And we want to make sure that we're not putting these individuals and especially ourselves into these situations where we have to use our firearms to defend ourselves because- Delicious point. Firearms isn't always the answer. Like there might be a way to just de-escalate it verbally. Kind of like Mary talked about like learning these different verbal cues and how you can de-escalate situations. You know, pepper spray is a less than lethal way to eliminate situations and the consequences aren't nearly as bad as your firearm. So... Firearms should be a last resort, and you should take other precautions in case you can, right?
1: And if you if you attended our monthly meetings, I think it was last month when we had- The attorney. Uh, yeah, the attorney come and about- was two months ago. It was two months ago, mm-hmm. where he talked about how someone brandished. He was being physically attacked. Uh, he brandished. It stopped the attack, he, so he reholstered. But then this other guy called the cops and yeah. made a big deal, mm-hmm. and uh, he was actually prosecuted. He won. The jury made the right decision, but he was still prosecuted. He went through eight months of court- and uh, thousands of dollars in legal fees,
0: and that was just because he brandished. That was, that was all even pulling the trigger. Uh,
1: all the only charges were were related to brandishing, and uh, we I met with uh, the district attorney Gary was there, and uh, we talked about how uh, we talked about that whole case, and I, I, I we it was a very good conversation, and Summer is extremely thoughtful. She's a very good uh, district attorney, and I think that we're our point was look. There are 11,000 people out there and counting. With you know? CCWs. Yeah, with CCWs. Yep. Um, and what this guy did was fair, fairly textbook. So they need to figure it out <laughs> because right. it clearly wasn't illegal. So they need to figure it out in the DA's office. And they were very open to that. I mean, I, I, I say that. It, w- it was a very pleasant and good conversation. Um, but uh, anyway, so I think we're we're, we're going to see some progress on that. Um, and the reason I bring that up is what you know, you know, if you brandish, you you're saying, hey, you're probably gonna, you know, civil and, and criminal court. You're right, but I'm hoping one day it won't be like that. I if you're defending yourself, you know, it's really the, the DA has a lot of discretion. So anyway,
0: maybe not in our lifetime, though.
1: Well, in my lifetime, which is. No. Yeah, oh, might be well, a little might be a little shorter than I. No,
0: I was. And then the final <laughs> event for this month, of course, is a great special cocktail hour with Sheriff Martinez, where she's going to talk about what she's doing in San Diego to combat sexual assault and things to expect if something happens, and other resources for our individual. So really looking forward to that. She's a big supporter, of course, of San Diego County gun owners and not me SD. So. Looking forward to chatting with her in a couple weeks. Okay,
1: so next segment, let's talk about your do. – let's do your segment. Yep. But then, Alicia, let's do your curtain call in the segment after that. Okay. Does
2: that sound good? Sounds good. Awesome. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you want to go flying? Yeah. Did you know we have a world-class flight training school right here in San Diego? Pilots could fly almost every day, thanks to our weather. And it's, it's the best place to fly in the world. Learn to fly with San Diego Flight Training International. Check out this deal just for gun owner radio listeners. One hour of ground school, one hour of flight, actual fly with the instructor. Normally, that's $400. But for listeners, $50 bucks off, $350. Getting started is real easy. Give them a call at 858-569-1822. Or go to Learn to Fly with SDFTI. Or I would just call him at 858 569
1: So a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nathan Fletcher said that he was dropping out of the his race for state senator because he wanted to deal with some uh, personal issues. And I immediately sniffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, something was fishy. Uh, there was no way he, yeah. with his yeah. ego and ambition. And he's been out. How long has he been out of the military? It, over a decade. Thank you very much. Over it's not an
0: excuse anymore.
1: So, yeah. well, I got to tell you, it's just because of who he is, you know, and, and what, what I know of him, what people know of him. It was, it was clearly an excuse. He was clearly trying to get out in front of a story. That's exactly what happened. So, the it's next a big day, story, huge story, <laughs> huge story. Being accused of not just sexual not harassment, yeah. but sexual assault. Yeah. Um, accused by more than one person yeah, of sexual say, harassment. I choose one. Um, it's really, really bad. So, uh, that was two weeks ago. So last week, it'd been a week, and I thought, well, gee, if anybody else in San Diego County, I should say, if Mara Elliott had been, and she's the city attorney for San Diego, had she her office been made aware that of anybody in San Diego County who was being accused, you know, of sexual assault in court, um, you know, sexual harassment. And was admitting to being, you know, mentally uh, unstable and and dealing with an addiction problem. Anybody else? Gun violence restraining order.
2: Without a shadow of a doubt.
1: And we and I I I know because I used to know him. I know he had a gun, and I heard through the grapevine he had a CCW. So I know he was a gun owner. Right. So I'm going. All right. Well, he doesn't
2: want to lose that.
1: Well. So I'm trying. You know. All right. Well, let, let's see what happens. So last week. I sent a letter to the sheriff, uh, Sh- Kelly Martinez, to the district attorney, Summer Steffen, to Mara Elliott, and to the uh, police police chief, San Diego police chief uh, Dave Nesland saying, "Hey, look, you know, pointing out what I just pointed out. He's admitting to this. He's being accused of that. Um, so I'm assuming he's lost the CCW by now, and I'm assuming there's a gun violence restraining order happening. So." let's check on that progress now sheriff martinez is wonderful on second amendment issues summer stefan is great on second amendment issues i actually met with her last week coincidentally about something else um so you know their response was was fine and you know the uh, the the sheriff indicated that it, it's being they're, they're, they they really legally can't tell us they can't say oh this personal you know issue yeah. you know they, they can't yeah. tell us but I'm. he's going to lose a CCW. He has to. He's going to lose a CCW. Because
2: you know what? I know this guy who won't leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> well. I just know this guy. I have to introduce <laughs> you to him. He's a hell of a nice guy. <laughs> well, but, but Mara Elliott, right? yeah. <laughs> do you know that guy? Well,
1: I already know that. It's it's happening. But Mara Elliott, she responded and said, look, um, he, she, she 100% focused on the uh, PTSD claim, you know that he that he's making, and and, and the addiction, and basically said, "Hey, look, I don't. Want, we're not going to issue a government restraining around him." And went on to talk about how um, it, we really shouldn't stigmatize people that are dealing with addiction and post traumatic.
2: What? <laughs> That's the basis.
1: <laughs> of this, so, I yeah. I was appalled. The the amount of empathy she had for Nathan and the complete lack of mention of his alleged victims is appalling. Absolutely appalling. Now, I have seen, of course, I drafted a response. You can see the response on uh, com, or you can go to our our Facebook page or our Instagram and you can see the response. But I pointed out that she has been extremely aggressive at, you know, uh, issuing gun reach restraining orders according to her she's constantly bragging about you know some new milestone you know 500 600 700 1000 you know so she, you know she's extremely aggressive when it comes to issuing and there have been far milder cases there, mm-hmm. there's a a far lower bar you know for people who aren't named Nathan Fletcher you know, I've seen people, I've heard of people who who've, you know, come to the organization looking for help who uh, were in a divorce mm. and, uh, you know, things got heated and, you know, accusations were made. Next thing you know, Boom. the wife who caught the husband cheating, she's got a gun violence restraining order against her. And then when the husband came forward and said, hey, you know what, I need to retract my statement, I was just emotional and I shouldn't have said that. And they said, well, if you retract it, we're going to prosecute you for filing a false police report <laughs> and went forward with the gun violence restraining order, which the judge threw out and said, This is asinine, ridiculous, yeah. and stupid. I've seen and heard of, you know, firsthand from people who had a gun violence, this guy had a gun violence restraining order issued against him uh, for posting an offensive, dark humor meme on Facebook. And he was kind of, I guess, while we could gather, he was kind of the weird guy in the office anyway. Nobody really liked him. Lost his job lost his guns, uh, you know, thousands of dollars in legal fees. So for her to suggest that, that you know, that she's worried about stigma, you know, or for her to suggest that this doesn't meet her minimum criteria is completely and totally bogus. She did not issue this gun violence restraining order because he is her political ally and friend. Well, of course. So did
2: you – and you responded.
1: That was the response. So I basically said, look – so and a lot of people th- – I get the the thought of, hey, yeah, let's gun violence restraining order this guy, you know, because he's a jerk. That really was never the intention. Um, I don't want him gun violence restraining order. I, I don't want anybody. He could and, snap. And so the next, uh, uh, the next ask the, the, for the letter, I want everybody to get Nathan Fletcher treatment. I want everybody in San Diego County. Mm-hmm. to get that level of, tr- of, of, of consideration.
2: And did you write her letter and say, I want to thank you, now you've changed your attitude and well, you'll be more benevolent when somebody gets into a situation? No,
1: the letter, and again, you can see the letter. No, I specifically asked, I want everyone to get the Nathan Fletcher treatment. Stop issuing gun violence restraining orders. She, you're, by not issuing, she's admitting that, hey, I don't want to ruin this guy's life. He's my friend. You know, I don't want to ruin his political life. I don't want to ruin his, his his personal life. He's my friend. Yeah, these things ruin lives. Yeah, funny thing. That's exactly what Glad happens. You not. Now you've ruined how many? A thousand? Over a lot. Now the yeah. other the other thing. There's two other two other points, but one you'll like this. Uh, if you haven't read the letter yet, uh, I asked specifically. Well, okay, if if there is some sort of list of offenses that you know someone can commit, and then Face no consequences from her office as long as they claim PTSD or alcoholism. We'd like her to publish that list. We need to know, you know, like what offense can I do, you know, what crime can I commit, and then say, oh, PTSD and uh, alcoholism, uh, 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 and then uh, no, consequence free because that's ex- it was, that's not even an interpretation of what she was saying. It's almost exactly what she was, you know. Have in you gotten a saying. response? Well, that it'd be a response to my response. I sent the so I sent, waiting. I sent my initial letter on Wednesday, Thursday. I got responses from everybody. Friday, I spent sent my response to Mara Elliott. Um, so if I get a response to response, we'll okay. see. But I'm on KUSI tomorrow to talk oh! more about it. Are you gonna do it? Oh yeah. And uh, but I really want to emphasize, we don't like gun violence for strikers. I we knew from the beginning you were there was be n- terrible. Well, there was no uh, question in my head. Number one. I knew she wasn't going to issue a gun violence retraining training order. Number two, I knew she wasn't going to do anything because I asked. We don't have any influence over Mara Elliott. She's as anti-gun as the day is long. Right. So I knew, like, just, hey, put this out there. She's going to admit no. She's not going to issue. And then, boom, now it shows. Look, look at the subjectivity of this thing. Right. These things are dangerous and horrible. Right. So uh, we want everybody. So now the narrative going forward, the message from all gun owners in San Diego should be, We want Nathan Fletcher treatment. Okay, so you're moving tonight. Where are you going? What what do you mean?
2: Well, you can't stay in your house. (laughs) Mike doesn't have a house right now, remember? I know, and I think that's why he does. I'm like a turtle.
0: He does that on purpose.
2: (laughs) No, I'm not leaving, Dave. I'm not worried about anything. What about Martinez? She was wonderful. She, she. But I mean, can she help? Can she do anything, or does it have to be
1: well? Her. So her part of it was, she said, "Hey, licensing is investigating to see whether or not he gets to keep his CCW."
2: Fantastic.
1: You know, and summer. At least
2: they're going to look into it.
1: Summer Steffen was great. Dave Neeslet, the San Diego PD, uh, chief of police, was wonderful. I can't say enough. He called me up. What a gentleman. What a fantastic wow. guy. What a um, what a positive influence in San Diego. I cannot say enough good. He's the only not elected guy, right? His
2: boss is you know, Todd Gloria and all the elected. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's
1: not a whole lot. But he, what a great guy. San Diego, you were blessed to have a good police chief.
2: I'll be done. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio. FM 961AM 1,
1: 1170.
2: The answer. Folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961AM 1, 1170. The answer. <laughs> Inland Empire gun owners strive to be the ounce of prevention in the fight for your gun rights. How do they do it? Do it by fundraising and getting local pro-gun candidates elected. Become a member today. Go to IEGunOwners.com slash join and join the growing number of responsibly gu- responsible gun owners stepping up to defend our Second Amendment rights. That's IEGunOwners.com slash join. Gunner's Radio Range Day on
1: April 23rd. Does you want to talk about that real quick?
0: Yeah, of course. So on April 23rd, we have planned a very fun range day out at one of our outdoor ranges. We're going to have some shooting on steel. We're going to have some really cool guns from Gunfighter Tactical out there to test out. We're going to be doing some moving and shooting. And it's just going to be a great, fun afternoon for us to go outside and shoot together. Hopefully the weather is going to be beautiful out. So really looking forward to it. Rich and I put a lot of work into planning this very special event, and I can't wait for it to kick off.
1: Gunfighter Tactical is going to be there. They're awesome. They're gonna—they have their new uh, their new uh, PCC, um, which is an AR pistol. A PCC is a—it's um, like an AR in, in, in pistol caliber, right? Yeah. What that is. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I wanted to make sure. And then also Franklin Armory is going to have products there for demo, and X Nihilo is going to be there. Um, which I found out is Latin for something, and I forgot what it's Latin for. But one of our listeners emailed and said, uh, "This is how you pronounce it, and this is what it means." Um, so yeah, it's a hundred bucks normally, right? But if you're a ten ring member, it's only twenty bucks. Yes, sir. You have any room left?
0: Uh, I mean, I might take some bribes. That if someone still <laughs> wants to join us, then you know I'll take cash bribes if anybody wants to. <laughs> All right, good. Or ammo.
1: Subscribe and win. Our winner this week is, of course, if you go to gunownersradio.com, you subscribe to our email list, you could win a cool special prize. This week's winner is Troy Step. Congratulations, Troy. We'll get a hold of you and figure out how to get your cool prize to you. Um, so you could win uh, free training, stretch tactical two-day advanced pistol, May 20, 21st. All you got to do is enter the drawing at gunownersradio.com. And then slash training, the number four, members. So GunOwnersRadio.com slash training, number four, members.
5: All right, Mike, you've teased it a couple weeks in a row. i got I to gotta give it. It means from or out of nothing. Yes. There you go.
1: What you she go. said. And it's Latin, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, what else here? Okay, so let's talk about – why don't you uh, touch on uh, – Desi, what's what are some of the events that are coming up for uh, Not Me this month? Is
0: this month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and so I've developed a campaign of special events throughout the month. And last week I had my virtual CCW seminar with the ladies of Not Me, and I had about ten ladies on there, which was a great little small group. I always love that because they always ask some great questions, very eager to learn. So I'll be making sure those ladies are going through the process to, of course, apply for their CCW. And this week is our pepper spray and situational awareness class with none other than the Alicia.
5: Oh.
0: yeah. You wanna talk a little bit about what that class is gonna entail, Alicia? Sure.
5: So, you know, a lot of the, the the kind of things that were touched on a little bit with Mary um, on the earlier segment, we're gonna talk about the situational awareness things. We're gonna talk about de-escalation. we're gonna talk about um, just overall awareness. And then we are gonna move into, should should all of those measures not be enough? Taking those next steps. Um, sometimes a firearm is not always the right answer. And so we're going to talk about the option of OC spray, how and when to use it, when is it appropriate, when is it not, and if it is, how to do it. If a firearm is not the right answer, are mm-hmm. you asking the right question?
0: Well, we like to talk about less than lethal options, because oh, if we think about two. Sense.
5: Orange is not my color. Yeah, not my color either. <laughs> Teal
0: is, of course, but orange, not so much. But we like to promote, you know, other forms of self-defense for, of course, the ladies of Not Me. We focus on firearms specifically, but we also understand that not everybody has a CCW right now. And taking that step to get their CCW, it's a very, it's a very big decision, right? And to carry and have the mindset, there's a lot that goes into that so i really like to promote other forms of self-defense because having more tools in your tool belt is just going to make you feel that much more confident and empowered to protect yourself should a situation arise and what was really interesting about the conversation with mary earlier she touched on a lot of things again that alicia is going to cover with us in these classes and you know every time i've taken this class because well i attend all the classes that we put on for the girls of not me i always take away something new from all these classes and i find myself being more aware in my surroundings and my situations Even it's just the little things like walking to and from the grocery store. Like I'm not never on my cell phone. Like I'm always scanning the parking lot and making sure that, you know, I'm aware of anybody that's out there. And if they start walking at me, you know, then I, I beeline in the other way or tell them to back off, but back off, back off. Um, But yeah, these are great classes. And then next week we're doing an image based decision making. So this is kind of part two to the pepper spray class. And. Alicia, I know you're a trainer for that class as mm-hmm. well. Do you want to explain a little mm-hmm. bit about what that class consists
5: of? Sure, it's uh, basically images are going to be presented. They're, they're predetermined images that the instructor will decide to lay out. And what's kind of interesting is that as instructors, we're taught to kind of uh, type our people. So to get to know our students and we'll we know what we know how to affect them. So we're going to pick scenarios that are appropriate. Um, And we put the people in the scenario. And when appropriate, we'll give background. We may give background information, situations that you may be in. It may be that you have your arms loaded down with groceries. It might be that it's it's a dark night. There's no streetlights. Whatever the situation may be, we're going to present you with a visual card that shows what you see. And then you have to make a very good first decision. And we give you generally five seconds to make that first good decision. And we'll talk to you about your options ahead of time, what your options may be and what the mindset can be. Um, and then, and what's, what's really great about it is, is we, it it gets a little bit of a drilling going and there are times to where everybody just wants to, you know, especially in the two way community, we always, uh, well, a gun, I'm going to pull a gun because I got to pull a gun. That's not always the right answer. Sometimes that right answer is not getting involved. Walk away. Sometimes making, being a good witness, making a call. It just depends. And so it's, it's really kind of putting you in the middle of not knowing what you're, what's going to be thrown your way and just kind of giving you that opportunity to make some good choices
1: I actually got a lot of feedback um, from our discussion last week where we talked about uh, uh, I think it was last week was mm-hmm. it two weeks ago where we talked last about week. you know is there a difference between uh, the criteria for brandishing and the criteria for uh, you know for 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 basically using your firearm I guess is probably the I forget how I asked the question. I asked it a really great way last week, but we talked about... (laughs) That was last week, though, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, it led to a uh, very interesting discussion on, uh, you know, what it means. You know, how how do you... What's the criteria for, for... uh you know pulling from concealment which i thought was was really great that was a really good discussion we got a lot of positive feedback on it so. well
0: and as you guys know in california if you have to brandish your firearm or even if you have to use your firearm your consequences are detrimental here like regardless you're going to court for civil and for criminal right and so we try to help teach other options so you don't like firearms is the last resort for us right and we want to make sure that we're not putting these Individuals and especially ourselves into these situations where we have to use our firearms to defend ourselves because delicious point firearms isn't always the answer like there might be a way to just deescalate it verbally kind of like Mary talked about like learning these different verbal cues and how you can deescalate situations, you know pepper spray is a less than lethal way to eliminate situations and the consequences aren't nearly as bad as your firearm. So Firearms should be a last resort, and you should take other precautions in case you can, right?
1: And if you if you attended our monthly meetings, I think it was last month when we had- The attorney. Uh, yeah, the attorney. Come that was and two months about, ago. It was two months ago, mm-hmm. where he talked about how someone brandished. He was being physically attacked. Uh, he brandished. It stopped the attack, he, so he reholstered. But then this other guy called the cops and yeah. made a big deal, mm-hmm. and uh, he was actually prosecuted. He won. The jury made the right decision, but he was still prosecuted. He went through eight months of court- and uh thousands of dollars in legal fees
0: and that was just because he brandished
1: that was so wasn't even pulling the trigger uh, all the only charges were, were related to brandishing and uh, we I met with uh, the district attorney Gary was there and uh, we talked about how uh, we talked about that whole case and I, I I we it was a very good conversation and summer is extremely thoughtful she's a very good uh district attorney and I think that we're our point was look, there are 11,000 people out there and counting. With you know? CCWs. Yeah, with CCWs. Yep. Um, and what this guy did was fairly, fairly textbook. So they need to figure it out <laughs> because right. it clearly wasn't illegal. So they need to figure it out in the DA's office. And they were very open to that. I, mean, I, I, I say that. It, w- it was a very pleasant and good conversation. Um, but uh, anyway, so I think we're, we're, we're going to see some progress on that. Um, and the reason I bring that up is what you know, you know, if you brandish, you you are saying, hey, you're probably gonna, you know, civil and, and criminal court. You're right, but I'm hoping one day it won't be like that. I if you're defending yourself, you know, it's really the, the DA has a lot of discretion. So anyway,
0: maybe not in our lifetime, though.
1: Well, in my lifetime, which is. No. Yeah, oh, might be well, a little might be a little shorter than I. No, I was. And
0: then the final <laughs> event for this month, of course, is a great special cocktail hour with Sheriff Martinez, where she's going to talk about what she's doing in San Diego to combat sexual assault and things to expect if something happens, and other resources for our individuals. So really looking forward to that. She's a big supporter, of course, of San Diego County gun owners and not me SD. So. Looking forward to chatting with her in a couple weeks. Okay,
1: so next segment, let's talk about your, do, let's do your segment. Yep.
2: But then, Alicia,
1: let's do your curtain call in the segment after that. Okay. Does that sound good?
2: Sounds good. Awesome. All right, folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Folks, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Is there a better tool that empowers a woman to defend against an attacker that's 100 pounds heavier? Well, then that's why it's so important for women to learn how to defend themselves with the most effective self-defense tool ever invented. For women led by women, the Not Me program is designed to help with training, purchasing a gun, Mm. and getting a concealed carry permit. And guess what? It's totally free. you need to sign up, just go to NotMeSD.org. The program is also available in Orange County and Inland Empire. Get help today, NotMeSD.org. Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks for the intro, Dave. So today we're here to talk about how to have that tough conversation with your children about what sexual assault and rape actually is. I know this is something that some parents might not think about. And I personally am not a parent. I don't have kids myself, but I do have nieces and nephews. And I just think this is a very tough conversation that a lot of parents know they should have, but typically might not have that with their children. But I think that with the way things are today with think about this. Whenever we grew up, we were told not to get in cars with strangers, right? Like it was stranger danger. But nowadays we get into Ubers (laughs) based off of the fact that they were close to us and they have a five-star Uber rating, right? So things have definitely changed over time with the way we interact with strangers and people that we've never met before. But I feel that the conversation that parents need to have with their children about being safe and what constitute as an okay touch versus an inappropriate touch are things that are definitely not They have not changed over time right so parents are surrounded by messages about child sexual abuse talk shows and tv shows of course warn parents about the dangers at schools and in homes and on the internet but despite all the media coverage parents don't get much advice about how to talk to their children about sexual abuse and how to prevent it so i'm talking to all the parents out there about this and this is something that's very near and dear to my heart of course because not me SD, this is what we do for adult women, of course, but these things can happen as very early age with, you know, young children too. So we want to really kind of start to have that conversation earlier with our kids to make sure that they are aware of what can happen in these certain situations. And so as you start to have these, you know, chats with them, they kind of take this with them, of course, into adulthood. So we're hoping that by having these types of conversations, we can help prevent future sexual assaults. So a couple of things that we really want to talk about when you're having that talk with your children, right? So talk to your children about sexuality and sexual abuse in age appropriate terms. So depending on how old your child is, use terms that they're you know familiar with. Like you wouldn't want to have that same conversation that you would with a five-year-old with your 12-year-old and your 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is a different talk track to have with different age groups. And you want to talk openly and direct about sexual teachings and teach children that it's okay to talk to you when they have questions, right? A lot of times parents can seem kind of embarrassed and, oh, I don't want to talk about sex or anything like that, right? But having those open dialogues with your children and letting them know it's, it's okay to come to me and ask for questions if you have them. That's something to have that kind of open door policy that's going to get them to be more comfortable around you to ask those types of questions. Um, of course, teaching children the names of different body parts, so they have that language to ask questions and express concerns about specific body parts. Teaching children about some parts of their body that are private and no one else should be touching. I hate to say it, right? Um, Let children know that other people should not be touching or looking at their private parts unless they need to be touched in a provided care. So like at a doctor's office or a nurse's clinic, right? And if someone does need to touch them there, a parent or trusted, you know, a, um, a trusted caregiver should be there with them. Tell children that if someone tries to touch them in those private areas or wants to look at them or someone tries to show that child their own parts, then they should tell a trusted adult as soon as possible because that's not appropriate. And all children should be told that it's okay to say no to touches that make them feel uncomfortable. And if someone touches them in ways that make them feel uncomfortable, they should definitely tell someone as soon as possible. Um, this can lead to some slightly embarrassing situations such as a child saying they don't want to give a relative a hug or a kiss, right? Like you could take that in a completely different wrong way, but it's letting your child know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And work with your child to find ways to greet people that don't involve uncomfortable kinds of touches right such as a handshake or you know a side hug like some of us like to do right and you want to be able to talk openly about sexuality and sexual abuse also teaches children things they don't need to be secret abusers will sometimes tell a child that the abuse is secret and don't tell your parents or don't tell you know your trusted caregiver and let them talk Let your children know that if someone is touching them or is talking to them in ways that make them feel uncomfortable that they shouldn't keep it a secret, right? So having that open dialogue with your children and letting them know it's okay to tell me things even if someone told you to tell told you it was a secret. And make sure you your child that if they they do tell you something, they're not gonna get into trouble. I know a lot of times children don't want to tell their parent that they did something or something happened because they're afraid they're gonna get in trouble with their parents and they don't want their parent to get them in, in trouble for that. And another thing to keep in mind too when having these you know tough talks with your children is don't talk about it all in one big talk, right? Like you wanna be able to have these conversations very openly and consistently if possible. So that way they know that it's okay to have these, you know, kind of conversations with you and ask you these types of questions. And one of the things that I can't stress more about having these kind of conversations with your children is be available. Make sure that you have the time to spend with your child, to have that open dialogue and let your child know that they can come to you with any kind of questions that they might have or concerns and be sure to follow up with your children like after these conversations, you know, kind of check in and make sure that they heard everything that you were talking about and that they understand these things that, you know, you were discussed. And so, I think that if we can help have, you know, parents have these conversations a lot earlier in life, this is going to help them as they go into adulthood because these types of situations are real and sexual assault happens to a lot of women, right? Like the statistics show that one in three women will be a victim of sexual assault at some point in her lifetime. So if we can start grooming these young women to understand what sexual assault looks like and what to kind of be aware of, then I'm hoping that we can just save a couple more women from having to go through that situation.
2: Well, I think it's more important today than it's ever been.
0: 100%. Because
2: you've got schools now teaching what they want these kids to learn. It's their narrative. <laughs> right. And that's their, exactly. It's and their narrative. And, and, it's, I, it's, and you have to combat that
5: it's hard enough for a a grown woman to come forward and to and to let the truth be known imagine as a youth you know how much more challenging that's going to be they're going to be you know they're still trying to learning to navigate the world and you know kind of see authority and and who do we trust who do we not and who do we respect and who do we you know and how do we cross those barriers sometimes when those we respect are the ones that are doing the damage and the harm so that's a lot for a child to navigate
0: and if you think about too the mental Kind of repercussions that happen like think about mary's story and how she is still kind of recovering from this if a young girl or even a boy you know has something happen to them at a very very young age it makes a very deep impression on them because children are very impressionable so if you think about a situation where let's just say a young girl unfortunately was sexually assaulted she's going to feel that for basically the rest of her life and it's going to take a lot of working through that both mentally to kind of get to the point where she can handle that. And so children are very impressionable. So by having those conversations, you know, helps them kind of understand that this is not okay and this is okay. And if this person touches me this way, that's all right. But if, you know, grandma gives me a hug and a kiss on the cheek, then that's okay, right? So it's really trying to help them understand the differences of what is appropriate touching and what is inappropriate touching. And if you think, do you have something to say, Mike? No. So if you think too about sorry, so I'm mic. If you think about the shooting socials and when we do our safety briefs, I know Alicia, you do this and I do this too. We tell the women that we might be touching your shoulders and we're never gonna touch you inappropriately, right? It's because we're setting the stage for, hey, like we're gonna be moving you around a little bit, but it's always gonna be, you know, just on your shoulders, your arms, et cetera, right? So we kind of preface it that to help them understand that all right, they're they're not gonna be inappropriate touching you, right? Whenever we're especially at the gun range. And so I just think that this information and being able to have these conversations is just it's going to help kind of imprint on these little these kids right for the rest of their lives. And so having those conversations again, I've never had them before because I don't have kids, but I can understand that it might be tough to say, hey, this is what sexual assault is. This is what, you know, rape is. And the definition of rape is type of sexual assault involving sexual intercourse or other forms of sexual penetration against a person without their consent. And that can happen at a very, very early age. and you we've heard of cases of these young, you know, kids being, you know, raped, and it's very, very unfortunate those situations happen. But then you carry that into adulthood and again, the mental repercussions that can come from this kind of stuff. I mean, it's the ripple effects. and the ripple effect of an event like that happening is not a good one. And so if we can help prevent that and give them the tools to understand, what's you know what can happen what cannot happen i think it's just going to make that that impact on these kids the
1: numbers are staggeringly
5: mm-hmm. high it's ridiculous I don't, I can't. and those are the ones we know
1: yeah well yeah yep. it's very mm-hmm. underreported 63
0: percent go unreported
1: i don't know well how do you know that like how can you tell it's a statistic yeah <laughs>
0: i looked it up mike <laughs> right. come on it was <laughs> so, on
1: facebook but how can right you, it was how, on facebook how can you quantify how many have been uh, i mean once you figure that out aren't they reported anyway so i see your logic the I I wonder if we just talk more about this stuff, and that's why you hear more. But golly, the numbers, the stories, the you know, there's it, sexual assault is so it's it's so prevalent in 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 society. It right? was so
5: secretive for so long. I don't I don't know that it's so much more. I think you you were right, in that it's it's more talked about. I don't. I think it's, it's because we have a opinion, lot of scandals but, that come mm-hmm. out now,
0: right? Like think right. about the Jeff Epstein scandal, and now with uh, Nathan Fletcher, he has someone that's filing a sexual assault against him too, right? Yeah. Two people. Two people. Yeah. Well,
2: well I do- let's talk about the Epstein thing for a moment.
0: <laughs> that was <laughs> well, a whole story. You can watch all that on Netflix. Let's see,
2: <laughs> would you truly? No. classify that as sexual assault?
0: No, because they were consenting. Exactly. They right.
2: were flying to the no, island. No, no, no,
1: no, 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 The underage. Yeah. The if underage. There's no such thing as consent under the age of 18. Well, yeah.
2: legally. So that, well, that's, but that's. But if a 13 or 15 year old girl says, heck yeah, let's do it. Well, that's know not, it's not okay. I yeah, it's not considered okay. I'm not saying that it's
1: okay. No, 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 but I mean, that's not, it's, so it's, it's considered, there's still uh, pressure involved. Yeah, yeah. It's it's because it's kind of like a, a boss and a and a you know and an employee or something like that, right? Well, gee, they have the power to hire and fire or whatever. Same kind of type of thing. Well, the the adult is automatically in an authority position.
8: Well, um, yeah, but so I did, it's,
1: All I'm saying is, but you know, but you know what you know what's crazy? The reason I think that maybe it's you know it's increasing is the number of people who uh, commit these acts who were uh who were victims you know what i mean so a victim turns into and in many cases mm-hmm. turns into someone that commits these acts so i almost wonder if like well is is this thing just you know spreading are we, ever, to gonna, are we ever gonna know i don't, I don't know. think so I don't but you
0: have to think too mike eight in eight out of ten cases the person knew the individual that sexually assaulted them That's so crazy. it's ridiculous that could yep. be a relative yeah. or a friend of the family right so just things to keep in mind and Again, parents out there, I know this is a hard conversation to have, but I definitely recommend having it. If you have any questions, I might not be the person to go to, but I can give you resources. <laughs> right. you know, the idea awesome, is probably. to
5: have these conversations early before there's a problem.
0: Exactly. And get,
5: and you, ha- like you are saying, use the terms that are appropriate for within your family and it's done within the confines and the comfort of the home. And that way, if something ever does happen, the child is more likely and hopeful to feel comfortable to come forward. But if you wait until you start to see signs of a problem. It's, it's too gonna, late. It's going to be, it's going to be more difficult.
2: Okay, we gotta take a break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. Hi folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. <laughs> the answer. Hey, a lot of companies waste an enormous amount of money on marketing. You know, their designs are great. The photos are beautiful. Your website really looks great on the phone. But it's not getting customers. Why? Because you don't have the words that make people buy. But now you can fix that with SageTree. SageTree can help you find the words that make it easy for your customers to understand what to do and how to buy from you. Stop wasting money today and schedule a call. Getting started is easy. Visit SageTree.com Click on the schedule an appointment button. That's SageTree.com and click on that schedule a call button and you will be happy forever.
1: Yeah, We use SageTree. They're wonderful. Highly recommend anybody that has any kind of business they're looking to promote and they have a website uh, or they don't have a website, uh, they, they do, do a great job. So, Alicia, we're going to do a curtain call. Sure. What do you got?
5: So, uh, let me flip on over. So we have just a story. comes out of Houston. So as we know, I want to always preface, and you know, and, and a big part of you know a, just a mindset and a thought that I have is that anything that you hear in the news, a lot of these stories do make national news um don't just assume that the the law of the land and the the way that it went down in that state is going to be how it would be here so be mindful of your state laws this was Houston so the laws in Texas are different than they are here wait they are what yeah. <laughs> imagine that <laughs> right california or or, or even Houston. or
1: not only are the laws <clears throat> different but the interpretation of they, we we like we have some of the same laws that are just interpreted and enforced differently too very
5: true Very true. Very good point. So what we have here is we have the the story. Here's the the title. The title is Veteran in Wheelchair Shoots Man Who Tried to Rob Him at Downtown Metro Station. Mm. So out of Houston, we have a gentleman in a a wheelchair. So right off the bat, he's of a class of people that are considered um, compromised to a point to where the law may apply a little bit differently to him. Um, But in this story, if you, you read into it, he was wheelchair bound and he was there at the metro and a man approached him and tried to take a bag off of his chair. So we have theft, right? There was no mention of any threats, no words, no raised arm, no weapon, no tool, no fear um, shown other than the, the taking of property. Um, this gentleman in the wheelchair um, happens to have a firearm on him. He pulled his firearm from a different, I'm assuming a different bag. Um, he pulled that firearm and shot the person trying to take his things gentleman was hit he was taken to a hospital he did as far as we know make a a good full recovery Um, so this is a a situation where a gentleman uh, used a firearm to to defend potentially himself a property whether he stated that he was in fear we don't know the article doesn't give us that information but what it does give us is that he was using his firearm to defend his property uh, no. Is this legal in California with this fly in California? No, not legal. no, <laughs> no, not legally. Correct. Not as it is. Um, so just know that you, and that, that can even pull into what we were talking about. Those image based decisional drills, situations like this. Um, sometimes we, out of, you know, having, having a theft, you know, feeling violated, uh, you know, theft can be a form of violation. It can feel uncomfortable. It can make you feel, it can make you feel in fear. Um, But does that rise to the threat of uh, fear of of death or great bodily harm? It should not. Um, But some people, when they get put in those situations, they take steps that they may not realize that they would do. If you talk through it, you may not realize that you would feel that way, but you get thrown in that situation. Sometimes we take steps that uh, take us a little further than we intended to. Um, In his state, he was was not charged. This was in Texas. Uh, The laws there, again, aren't different and interpreted differently you are able to defend property differently than you can here in California
0: in California that would not have flown yeah
5: well and sometimes
1: uh you know of course don't 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 get confused uh listeners if you're sometimes your life is in danger because Mm -hmm. someone is trying to steal your property absolutely meaning that they're willing to uh you know uh commit murder on you to get to your property. Correct.
5: You try um, to take that bag back and they, you know, they pull a weapon or they, they raise an arm, you know, that, I used, that changes it.
1: I used to get into that discussion a lot with people back when, but way back when we used to have to write good cause statements.
5: Wait, what were those things? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I hated
0: those.
1: Um, people would say, "Look, well, well, gee, what's my good cause? Well, your good cause is that you carry valuable items or whatever. And they'd say, well, I can't protect valuable items, you know, with, with lethal force. No, no, they they might try to you know lethal you mm-hmm. um, to get to these items, and that was always a, a discussion. I was actually, frankly, in hindsight, kind of amazed at how many people knew that you can't can't defend uh, you know you can't defend property with
0: It's California.
1: Force. Yeah, yep. So so okay, so uh, now what ha- you you said that uh, he made a full recovery. He did, and I, I want to be okay. So he this guy someone stole a bag from him he was tried
5: a, to tried to
1: tried to Correct. what does that look like that he tried to he grabbed it and couldn't get it off the wheelchair or something or
5: the article doesn't there's it, it doesn't give a lot of clarity to it it just simply says the the gentleman that well, gentleman's a loosely used term attempted to remove the bag and to steal it so he
1: and and you mentioned this but he very well could have been worried for his life
5: could have been the article doesn't speak to that, so that would be you know we can kind of talk to both ways of that.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It wow. needs a
0: lot for interpretation.
5: It does.
1: Well, thank you, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we touch on uh, while we're talking about uh, caring for uh, self-defense? Uh, there was a little bit of movement in the Rena case. I think we talked a little bit about it last mm-hmm. week, but let's let's touch on it again. Some
7: fantastic Which, by movement. the way,
1: yeah, the judge did a really great job. Which, by the way, fun fact. The judge in that case is married to District Attorney Summer Steffen. How about that? Hmm. Wow. You know, yeah, you know what that means? Nothing. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting. Um, so trivia. <laughs> the judge. What happened was there was the uh, uh, oh, Bolin case up in Orange County. Um, and they said, yeah, you know what, these uh, micro stamps and a couple other of these features that you can't find on any, you know, all three of them you can't find on any gun, and therefore no guns can be added to the list, that's unconstitutional. So we're, we're going to put a, an injunction, and then we're going to stay the injunction, and then we're going to let them appeal. But still, it, it, it pretty, we're pretty sure it's unconstitutional. That caused... The Rena case, which is if you're a San Diego County gun owner,s you're a plaintiff in the Rena case because we're San Diego County gun owners is a plaintiff in that case. The Rena case, uh, the judge came out and said, "Yep." Uh, and and the Rena case, interestingly, one of the big differences between the Bowling case and the Rena case, the Rena case is much broader. So if you look at the Rena case, you know if they're in a vacuum, if 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 the Bolin case won, it would most likely get rid of. Micro stamping. If the Renna case wins, it'll like get rid of the whole kit and caboodle, the entire roster. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting, but the judge moved and said, "Hey, at least this is unconstitutional. At least this portion is clearly unconstitutional." Um, again, stayed his his uh, injunction. So it's no no change in business yet. It's going to take a long time. Um, the other thing is, even if they do have an injunction all these gun manufacturers have to still get added to the roster
0: which will still take time
1: take a lot of time and money and money and money so we're talking six 12 months if it like tomorrow if they want to do that yeah well if if the injunction happens which you know and they get through the appeal or whatever we're talking it it would take six to 12 months just for the manufacturers to you know start you just for you to start seeing a gen five on a
0: But that's a whole new market for them, though. And think about how us Californians have been deprived of all of these guns that we want from all these manufacturers. I mean, it would be a goldmine, I would think, in a sense, for all these manufacturers. Oh, I think
1: a lot. So, first off, California buys more firearms than any other state.
0: Even though we're so anti gun. (laughs) Any
2: other state, (laughs) including Texas. What makes you think the left is just going to lay down?
0: Oh they're going to go down fighting.
2: They're going to go down fighting but they're going to go down. But yeah, yeah not it's not the left but the anti guys. It's do it. It's not going to take you're not going to it's not going to happen in a year. They're going to drag no. that because they got way more money than we got.
1: No, no, no. No, yeah, you're right. What, what I was saying was if if it happened like it, it would take 6 to 12 so months. You say the, just best, to add the best case, case scenario. Yeah, okay. Even a, in a best case scenario, you know, it's not like right. boom, you can just go buy whatever you want. They still have to go through if the Rena case wins, there's a chance that that whole entire roster just goes away. Um, but uh, the most likely scenario is that it'll just be, you know, possible for for manufacturers to add firearms to the roster. But then it'll take them six to twelve months just to get those uh, firearms onto the roster. Do
0: you know how many times I hear a day, oh yeah, the gun roster is going away. That means I can buy a Gen Five tomorrow. <laughs> and I have to explain to them that's not the case, guys. <laughs> what would you
1: buy? If, if the roster didn't exist, Sig three
0: sixty five,
1: very popular choice. Yep, Alicia. My carry what, do you, gun. what do you got?
5: Oh, I'm thinking a Hellcat. Ooh, that me, too. Me too. I think that's on my list. That
1: Hellcat, it came out and people were so excited about and it. And
5: you know what's funny is I am not a Springfield fan yeah. at all, but I like the Hellcat.
1: And if if memory serves, and if I under if my mm-hmm. understanding is correct, that Hellcat was built from from the ground up. It wasn't like a you know. It's well, very
5: different, which is why I'm okay with it. Yeah, well,
1: that's what I'm saying. So it's not like they took an XD and no. just put a slaps a new coat of paint on it. Nope. They uh, it's it's uh, you know from the ground up. Which it, it, you know you know I don't you know I've never owned a 1911. What?
5: I haven't either. I'm picking yeah. one up tomorrow.
1: <coughs> oh really? What'd you buy?
5: It came from a friend who passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear it's that. It's a sentimental. It's a Rock Island.
1: Mm. Well, I always I if I ever do the, the I was looking at the TRP. Mm-hmm. Through Springfield, so if I ever do get a 1911, it'll most likely be, if I ever do get a 1911, it'll most likely be a Springfield Armory. So I don't have anything against them. Not a big XD fan, but that Hellcat, oh my gosh, Party. their their marketing just got it's it seeped into my soul. <laughs> like how this thing is that good? Yeah. But But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I think that's probably what that probably is the first thing I'd buy. I don't know if I'd buy it. I don't know if I'd buy a Gen Five. <laughs> we one.
0: would all buy something off roster that we can't have just now, because 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 can. just because we could. Just because, yeah. We can. <laughs> yep. And then you're just going to see the market on all these. You manufacturers skyrocketing California and be like, oh my gosh, look at all the money we could have made all along.
1: Well, if, if you you know if you look if you look long term, let's say five years or mid term is probably more accurate. Um, you know the assault weapons ban. You know if you break it down, you got the if the assault weapon ban goes away, if the mag ban goes away. Of course, now we're all carrying, you mm-hmm. know, and then if the, um, so they had a ban on CCWs, that went away, and then the ban on uh, pistols, if, if all those goes away, if the roster ban goes away, and of course CCW, blah, 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 huge economics behind those those things going away.
0: Huge wins for the Second Amendment, too.
1: Huge wins for the Second Amendment, but every every shop out there... All their customers will again become potential customers because now they all get to go out and buy n- new stuff.
0: And now you're going to have lines long in these gun shops, just waiting to buy everything they couldn't have before. There you go. And they
5: are still law-abiding people. There you exactly. go. It's only
1: five eighty-five. What's five eighty-five? Oh yeah, yeah. Not, not in California. No, of course not. It'll be, it'll 15- be at a premium eighty-five.
5: <laughs> yeah, you'll be paying a premium Sounds for all right. those
0: off-roster guns whenever they can be available here, because manufacturers will know they can do it. Isn't
1: that ridiculous.
2: All right, let's take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hi, folks. Welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. A self-defense event happens in seconds. And the time it takes to listen to this commercial, your life could change forever. And I pray you're never forced to shoot in self-defense. But if you must, then you must be ready. And that's why USCCA exists. Because every responsibly armed American should have the training and education to navigate a self-defense situation. And should you ever need it, the 24-7 critical response team is right there for you. And to discover more about USCCA visit, or USCCA visit, USCCA.com slash G-O-R. Act now because the life you save could be your own. USCCA.com slash G-O-R.
1: Forever.
2: Exactly.
1: Name that movie reference. Um, Okay. Why don't we do Stump My Nephew? And Desi, why don't you try to Stump My Nephew?
0: I will try to Stump the Nephew, but aren't you going to set this up for me because I messed it up last time?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So every week we have our favorite segment, very last. Last is, uh, but not least, um, Stump My Nephew. We found out that my nephew, Sam, the gunman, is uh, extremely good at gun trivia. So if you send us a question that has to do with firearms, Second Amendment, or related... And we use it on the air, you'll get a hat or a shirt, and if you stump my nephew, then we'll give you something cool, some kind of special prize, maybe tickets to gun prom, or uh, we'll see.
0: Awesome. Sam, are you there?
8: Yeah, how are you guys?
0: We're great. Thanks for joining us today.
8: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So today's question comes from Javier, how had to say it that way, from San Diego, and his question is... Which firearm from was officially protested by Germany during World War One?
8: Wait, read that again.
0: What firearm was officially protested by Germany during World War One?
8: exactly what Javier from San Diego, thanks very much for writing in. Um, now, if you really want to split hairs, uh, there are two answers, but um, it, really two models uh, that were used by the U.S. Army. Um, and and collectively called the trench gun. They were trench shotguns. Um, One was uh, a modification of the Winchester Model 12, and um, there was another one that was, uh, I think, a Remington uh, 97, I think. I don't remember. Um, But the uh, Imperial German Army raised an official protest on the grounds that um, trench shotguns were uh, inhumane weapons of warfare um and uh allegedly they they said that any any soldier they caught carrying a a shotgun or shotgun ammunition would be summarily executed as a war criminal um and the uh the allies retorted with uh well you you guys have flamethrowers so any uh any one of your soldiers we catch with a flamethrower will do the same now, how official these communications were is a little bit unclear to me. Um, it wasn't like they were sitting around a table yelling at each other over this stuff, but um, the the legends exist and and there is some some basis and reality there.
1: Can you believe that that they protested trench guns, yes. shotguns, pump that. action and shotguns?
2: Can you believe it?
1: And they, correct me if I'm wrong. This was World War One. I. I mean, they were using mustard gas, right, Sam? Yeah, they were
8: more than happy to use artillery shells which delivered uh, chemical warfare agents. Um, and the specific reason the Germans were okay with doing that is because the Hague Conventions uh, to which they had, uh, to which they were, were a signatory, specified that it was illegal in warfare to use artillery shells whose sole purpose was to dispense. Um, I don't remember the exact wording, but uh, a, a lacrimatory agent or some kind of chemical warfare agent. Um, and so the Germans went back and said, aha, it says sole purpose. So if we develop artillery shells that deliver gas and fragmentation, then we're technically in the right.
1: Unbelievable. Jerks. You know, I don't know if you guys are fans of history, but Germany's a little suspect. <laughs> You think they they <laughs> we might want to keep an eye on Germany.
8: Yeah, I think Norm you know? McDonald did a bit on that. God rest his soul.
1: Norm, Norm, God, I love Norm. I miss Norm so much. I miss him every day.
0: Well, Sam, let me give you the answer that I have here because I think it's at least worth reading. So you had, at least in my eyes, part of the answer right. The answer that I have in front of me is the Winchester Model ninety seven pump action shotgun. And here is the little blurb that I have underneath it. So, American troops used the shotgun led to a diplomatic protest. Ironically, the protest came from Germany, which during World War One had unleashed on its enemies such the instruments of killing as the Zeppelin airship bomber, the Maximum G- MG-08 machine gun, and the Type 93 U-boat, the big Bertha howitzer, um, the Paris gun, and of course, chlorine gas. The Model 97 quote-unquote trench gun as it was quickly came to known, was the brainchild of William G. Eager of Valdosta, Georgia, a trained soldier using the Model 97 trench gun in slam fire mode, holding down the trigger while pumping it could unleash six blasts in a matter of seconds. It's
1: crazy. Awesome job. Um, Sam, What, uh, Sam, have you ever shot a, a Model 12?
8: Um, I, haven't shot a, uh, I haven't shot a trench gun before. Um, If anyone listening wants something that's sort of like a trench gun but isn't really into collecting um, historical curios and relics, Mossberg offers uh, a model they call the 590 retrograde, and you can get it stock with a heat shield and a bayonet lug, at least in my neck of the woods. I don't know if California um, has something special to say about that, but it looks very much like a trench gun, but you get all that parts compatibility and and. Uh, good value of of a Mossberg. Will you own a
1: twelve? Right.
8: Um, I own a twelve hundred and a thirteen hundred, uh, which are uh, much later Winchester models. They're like like more sporting
1: versions, and then well, I think that thirteen hundred, the twelve turned into the twelve hundred, turned into the thirteen hundred, and then I think their their newest version of it is like a, it's called like a PDX or something like that, or SXP Super X Pump. Yeah, which. That thing is awesome. It's very cool, but I, but it's a it's a direct line. It's 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 uh, model twelve DNA. It's not you know it's it's a it's it's very very similar action et cetera et cetera. What is it again Winchester?
8: What? Um, so the uh, there was the Winchester model eighteen ninety seven and the the Winchester model twelve is is somewhat related. Yep, and then twelve
1: hundred and then thirteen hundred. What's the latest? Uh, Super X pump SXP.
8: Super XMR. Awesome. All right. What's your article or what's your blog this week? My blog post from this past Monday um, was about um, it's called something something like Master or excuse me, Jack of All Jack of All Guns or Master of One. Hmm. And it's it might be a little bit of a controversial post. I don't know if I make my point well, but my point is basically that there are some people out there who intentionally limit themselves to, okay, I'm going to get really, really good at running my specific handful of firearms that I have, and I'm not going to touch anything else because I just want to be really good at shooting what I have. And I talk about how not only does that really suck the fun out of shooting and and turn a hobby into just another form of work to do, um, but that it also isn't necessarily a good idea a lot of the 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 really really good shooters i have known are people who who will shoot all kinds of stuff and and learn about all sorts of different platforms the different manipulations um and uh try to learn something from each one
1: that's awesome what uh, what inspired you to write that that's an interesting uh, article and take
8: well i um I don't want to get too specific, even though I know he isn't listening to this. But uh, a few years ago, I used to work with a gentleman who would not shoot any semi-auto rifle. That was not an AR-15, period. (laughs) Um, And, I mean, yeah, I like AR-15s, too. Everyone does. They're great. But um, his justifications for doing so were, in my opinion, really kind of dumb. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not going to list all of them. Uh, I list some of them in in the blog post.. Yeah, yep, you did. but uh, the his his excuse was basically, oh, well, I want to be really, really good at shooting just a r fifteens. Like okay, that's that's fine, I guess. But I have known plenty of people who were better at shooting a r fifteens than he was who also shot other stuff. It's just just focusing on one specific uh, firearm. Uh, I I think is is really not a healthy thing to do.
1: Awesome job, thank you as always. Appreciate your your uh, your writing. Um, you know, next week we should we should talk a little. We only have a couple minutes left, but next week we should talk more about how you've been picked up by other sources. So there are uh, other uh, uh, distribution channels that are putting your articles out, and uh, because you're doing such a good job, so let's talk more about that next week. And thanks so much. Sure, yeah, I'd like to. Yeah.
8: Thanks, always, thanks, as always, for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a good night. Thanks, right. Sam. You too, buddy.
2: All right, folks. Well, hey, hope you've enjoyed the show. Definitely uh, hook up with our sponsors. Go to Google. Give us a five-star. Go to any of the podcasts. Share them with your friends. And support our great, great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, Inland Empire Gun Owners, Orange County Gun Owners. Uh, John Dillon, hopefully, you know you don't need him, but you should have him before you do need him. Uh, San Diego right. flight training, better to know him and not need him. That's it, exactly. So San Diego flight training. Uh, want to thank everybody for hanging out with us today. And Joe stepped in for Brendan because Brendan was a bunny rabbit today and he wasn't oh, able to come in. So want to thank everybody and make sure you stay tuned because Bob Siegel is. I don't think he's in the house. Is he in the house? Nah, he's, he's, he's going to send you a taped show. This is Gun Owners Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.